What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I am Chris. I'm Ben. And we are here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 136. A lot of, uh, lot of topics on today's agenda. We have, of course, the, the, the just... It's only second to only Christmas. Bobby Bonilla Day. Uh, We're going to discuss that. Uh, our updates on our MVP predictions. Uh, Washington football team. A uh, little bit of hot water. Uh, and um, more NCAA restrictions loosen. Uh, before we get into our, our, our first topic, which is not exactly pleasant, we'll warn you ahead of time. Uh, I'm in the process of moving. So uh, all of my the things are like off of my walls. And so... Ben and I recording in person at my house. So if you hear a bit of an echo, I'm going to do the best I can in post-production. I'm going to get rid of this. But if you hear a bit of an echo, that's the reason. We're not exactly in a room right now that's conducive to recording, but you work with what you have. So I'm also using the microphone from when we first started because I'm forgetful as hell sometimes. And uh, I forgot my microphone back where, um, where else I'm staying. So at another undisclosed location in the Northeast. Well, let's get into the program, now that I got that out of the way. Uh, Trevor Bauer. Uh, Normally, we talk about Trevor Bauer. It's with uh, great affection and enjoyment and nothing but complimenting the fact that he's usually so honest and forthright. And, you know, even if you don't agree with him, he certainly isn't afraid to express his opinion. Uh, Mr. Bauer's found himself in a bit of hot water. Um, We're not going to get too detailed uh, because it, it, it does involve sexual assault allegations um, and right now they are just allegations, so we don't, we don't want to one way or the other, uh, try to just give an opinion on something that there isn't enough information about right now. We're not in a business of putting out information just to get clicks and downloads and stuff like that. We want the truth to come out, whether it, he's guilty or not, um, whether the person who accused him is telling the truth or not, we want the truth to come out. Uh, obviously because we try to keep this as much a family show as possible with the exception of the occasional, you know, swear, which might give us an explicit rating. (laughs) Um, and the fact that it's just not a comfortable topic and you can find it elsewhere. If you're curious about what happened, you can go online, Google Trevor Bauer allegations. It's not something Ben and I feel appropriate to talk about, uh, in this environment. Uh, but we did feel it necessary to come out. And say something, considering we're normally praising Bauer, uh, obviously, if this is something he did, then he needs to be punished for that severely. Um, but hopefully, the truth will just come out and we'll, we'll know one way or the other. But not a pleasant thing to see. Not a pleasant thing to see when you, you know, especially when it's somebody who we've hyped up so much. And then you see something like this. And we don't know if we did it or not. He may have, he may not have. So we don't know. Whatever, but it's just never good. It's just kind of a weird feeling. It's like, oh, man, we talk about this guy all the time, and now we got this. And I'm just hoping the truth isn't as ugly as it's being projected to be right now. And I, and I think because when, whenever this comes up, and unfortunately it comes up too often, uh, latest example before Trevor was um, Deshaun Watson, we want all the facts to come out. Yes. I like to make, I know for me, I'll speak for myself. I like to have all the facts lined up before I make yep. an, an opinion on a subject. And it's too new. Too much information is still not out there. Right. Um, the information that it is out there, it's one side says one thing, one side says the other. And, and until you get more details, you can't really come to a yeah. solid conclusion. I mean, even with Deshaun, still we're still not at the point where there's a solid understanding, and we're five, six, seven months in from from those allegations coming out. I think it's best for everyone, and I know a lot of TV shows, a lot of radio shows, podcasts, whatever media we're talking about, make a lot of money on opinions. Yes, and they like to come out. And state their opinion 30 seconds after this dropped. I personally like to get all the facts. If it's a day, if it's two weeks, if it's two months, I like to have all the facts because I don't have to be the one two hours in 
recanting what I just said. Exactly. Yeah. A new fact came out. Uh, a new aspect of it came out. So, I would not rush to tar and feather Trevor. I also, if I was a Dodger fan, wouldn't immediately start bashing uh, this young woman right online in person. Exactly. Over right. the phone. Let let each side speak their truth to the right authorities and let the truth come out as you said one way or the other exactly uh we're not you know we're a very knee-jerk society where one way or the other you know it's popular opinion is the truth whether it's the truth or not uh so i actually like to get these crazy little things called facts uh the only thing i will say to point out the difference between deshaun watson and trevor bauer is deshaun watson accused by many many women of misconduct and again don't know true or not if it is he deserves every bad thing he gets if it isn't then there's a whole another problem there as far as i know there's one accuser in trevor bauer's case doesn't make it okay if he did it one or 40 doesn't make a difference it's still wrong i'm not don't 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 hear what i'm not saying um but it's not a pattern and the only reason i bring that up is because like I said, we're not going to get too deep into it because mm-hmm. the details are not something that is, is, is just not something you want to hear when you're listening to a podcast, dr- driving the kids to school or, or, or you know, doing work around the house. Uh, based on some of the details that have come out, it very much appears like it is extremely possible this was consensual. And while we don't know, one way or the other – it's you could right now either side could be telling the truth right it's too hard to tell it's the same with Deshaun watson but there's more than one accuser i don't know if this is a case of misunderstanding perhaps there was alcohol involved and there she could, I, I don't know that'll all come out in time um whether it's released to the public or not who knows but just want the truth to come out before we give any kind of opinion. Yeah. Uh, and we we need some more facts and, and evidence before we can sit there and go, damn him, damn her. You know, there's there's been cases before, plenty of cases where the athletes done it, whatever they're accused of. There's also been plenty of cases where they're falsely accused because they are an athlete with a lot of money in the spotlight. Right. And I would count, and I would not counter that, but I would just say, there's plenty of times that we don't know. Something happened. Exactly. Yes. And yes. the individual is afraid to step up. Absolutely. Because if you're talking about an iconic figure, and I don't want to put any names to that, but I just I just put iconic figure right. X, a fan base, some fan bases and some fans can get really ravenous about protecting their idol unfortunately yep. is the way i can put it yep and they'll do crazy things especially with online the dumpster fire that it is on on twitter so everyone's tough behind a keyboard right yeah so some some stories may never come out and i think when they do come out we have to hear them and yep absolutely yep go through them uh and let the professionals go through them with a fine tooth comb and and get the truth out of it that's why I say let them speak their truths and and whoever has, unfortunately, whoever has the proof and, and the facts behind them will be the one that comes out uh, on the right side of this. Yeah. And it could be either one. Um, but Time will tell. Time will tell. All right. I knew a much more pleasant topic. Well, I mean, if you're a Mets fan. I mean, if you're, if you're a Mets fan, unfortunately. Um but you have other issues if you're a Mets fan. Maybe not so much this year, but in, in the past, it's been rough the last couple of years. Bobby Bonilla Day. I mean, it already went by. It already went by with, with great fanfare. Uh, for, for those that are not aware, Bobby Bonilla Day, which I joked about in the beginning of uh, the, the show as being second to only Christmas on the happiness scale, which is not true. Fantasy Football Draft Day is actually yes. number two. Uh, some of us number one, but I'm a big fan of Christmas. So I say, I say Fantasy Football Draft Day is second Christmas. Uh, Bobby Bonilla Day is July 1st, and it has been since uh, 2011, and it will be until 2035. Uh, Mr. Bonilla, you may remember, was on the 1997 World Series uh, champion 
Florida Marlins, was on the Mets at the time. Uh, and, and, excuse me, was on the Mets in, in 2000 when he received a contract buyout. Uh, the buyout was only for $5.9 million. And I say only, but that's because I'm about to give you a different number. Uh, so <laughs> the contract buyout was for $5.9 million. The Mets chose... Uh, and I, I, I don't know, I would assume this is a Mets option to give deferred payments. So those deferred payments would be, like, like I said, from 2011 to 2035. Every July 1st, Mr. Bonilla receives $1.194 million for 25 years. I believe that's 25. My math is correct. Yes. Uh, it was just under $30 million total over that time span uh, for a $5.9 million buyout. So if you wonder why Mets fans were frustrated with the Wilpon family and why they did, they didn't, they didn't uh, much care for their, their ownership and management. This is why. Uh, apparently the reason for this, they chose this because the Mets at the time uh, were – had something to do with them investing in Bernie Madoff um, interests. Which is not good. Which is not good. Uh, and they were promised double-digit returns on – they were just, just returns that were not feasible in, in, in actual, like, real-life business. And so they were like, yeah, phew, we're, <laughs> we're, we're farting through silk. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and just, you know, set money on fire. We don't want to give them 5.9 now. Let's give them 1.1 for the next 25 years, which even if you're made of money doesn't make any sense because usually rich, smart business people are rich, smart business people because they know how to spend money, not set it on fire. So let's give them an additional $25 million. We don't have to instead of just giving it to them all up front because uh, what the hell, we'll have it. So there's no logic in it at all. I mean, if you're probably Bonilla, obviously it's got to be like your your, your actual Christmas. Um, Interestingly enough, yeah, this is not the only deferred payment Bobby Bonilla is receiving from the New York Mets, which I didn't know until I did some more research. Uh, because deferred payments aren't actually super duper rare. No. Um, not at this scale and for this long. But like uh, Manny Ramirez is still receiving money from the Red right. Sox deferred. But it's like, tw- I think it's like $24 million total. And it was part of his initial contract. This isn't, a lot of things are due to initial contracts. They're not as a result of deferring payments from a buyout. So, like, uh, I think it's Max Scherzer with uh, with the Nationals. Uh, he has – he's going to receive part of his contract deferred for, I think, till like 2025 or 2035, something like that. But it's part of his initial contract. It's worked out at the time. This deferred payment was because they just didn't want to pay him $5.9 million at the time. Uh, and now they're going to be paying him $1.194 until 2035. I mean, if you're, it's just, I said, just said before, but it's, it's no wonder that Mets fans are just fed up with that whole family and ownership, and they are seem much happier with Steve Cohen as, uh, as owner. Who, funny enough, uh, he wasn't there when it happened, so he's like, well, we got to do it anyways. You may as well embrace it, and he wants to make it like make a day of it, like actually celebrate Bobby Bonilla Day <laughs> on, you know, I assume at the park or, or on the field or in some fashion. Which, hey, you know what? If you're gonna have to do it anyways. You may as well make something of it and celebrate it. It's not like it was his stupidity. So right. what the hell? And can you suppress some of those the costs that you're not yeah maybe to do every yeah. single year? It's like well, why not? You can you, sell a bunch of shirts for twenty five bucks to say Bobby Bonilla Day. Maybe you you make enough off of that over a few days to pay him. And I'll say this, Chris, if he's still owning the team twenty thirty five, why not build it up through the years, and then twenty thirty five the last one have a huge ceremony. And have this limited time merchandise. It's like Steve Cohen could absolutely collect all that cost that he just had to give out to Bobby Bonilla each year. Plus, he could throw Bobby Bonilla a bone and just be have an appearance at the stadium on that day. Just have it make make it all about Bobby Bonilla on that day. Even though Bobby Bonilla, I'm pretty sure, did absolutely nothing for the New York Mets except for this, which is. Insane. I mean, Bobby Bonilla was a nice player. He was a nice player. I mean, player. he wasn't Mike Trout, but he certainly wasn't a scrub. No, but he just didn't – he didn't do what they would expect. I, no, I it was the latter stage. Yeah, no. Do. 
Um, well, one thing's for sure. If it's a way to make money, Steve Cohen's not allergic to making money. No, I believe I he's the richest richest owner in Major League Baseball. Uh, he's a multi-billionaire for a reason. There's a reason that he's in his spot and the Wilpons are in the spot they're in. Right. <laughs> because Wilpons know how to burn money, and guys like Steve Cohen know how to rub two nickels together and make a million dollars. So More power to him. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, I, it's, it is interesting that they decided to go down this route with um, the way that way it uh, kind of breaks down but um i don't i don't see i don't see any other player getting this kind of attention well with a deferred payment is that what you pointed out and just by the fact that bobby Bumina hasn't played for two decades two almost three decades he hasn't played for yeah i think he played somewhere else in 2001 and then didn't make it to the whole season i believe i could be wrong on that and i think he retired in 01 it's just i think it's built up over the past probably decade of just because he's been gone for so long like like you mentioned manny ramirez is getting deferred payments from the red sox but i'm sure it's going to run out 2025 so so four more years and again it was part of his initial contract right and it wasn't manny left the game two Two years ago, I think. Yeah, I think he tried playing in Japan and making yeah. a comeback, but it didn't exactly work. Yeah. So it's not going to be that decade and a half, two decades, and we're still doing this, and it still has years to go. And I think this is just a unique – it's a unique thing. And if, if I'm baseball, I look at this and say, this is another this is an opportunity for baseball in general just to kind of latch on to 2035 if they want to. Well, with Rob able, Manfred, who knows if they'll be there at that point? Wow. Everyone, everyone might be getting deferred payments. So, <laughs> but it, it's just it's just something where they can say, okay, let's let's promote this, let's do what we can to kind of drum up the interest because yep. it is it's interesting. It's it's something that's unique to nowhere else but the New York Mets and Bobby Bonilla, and I think it's something that they could really kind of grasp and, and run with a little bit at least. To get themselves some publicity, to get themselves trending on Twitter, because the only reason why I knew it was Bobby Bonilla Day, because as soon as I went on Twitter, it's like, oh, there it is. Oh, yep. Well, they didn't learn their lesson enough, apparently, <laughs> because like I said earlier, and then I kind of trailed off on my own topic, I kind of got lost. Uh, Bobby Bonilla is receiving receiving another deferred payment. Oh, good job for Bobby. Uh, he actually is receiving five hundred thousand dollars. Uh, this began in 2004 and will end in 2030. $500,000 from the Mets and Orioles for deferred payments. So I don't know if that's a split half and half, if it's a percentage thing. I have no idea. But um, the article I looked at, I believe it was on ESPN.com, uh, said that he is also receiving 500000 a year from the Mets or Orioles uh, until 2030. So he's getting, he's getting more... Uh, just from sitting at home laughing at these people and their lack of money management skills than most people will see in a lifetime every year. So good for Bobby Bonilla. Uh, you know, I, I think it's, like you said, I think it's a good idea to celebrate today. Maybe you can get enough merchandise together to recoup the money entirely instead of trying to hide under it and pretend it's not there because no one's going to let the Mets forget this. And, you know, Steve Cohen, I, I would think, is smart enough to see that and appears he has by saying he wants to celebrate Bobby Bonilla Day. So, uh, no use in hiding from it. You may as well try to profit off it in some fashion. So, uh, yeah, that's, um, <laughs> it's, uh, can't wait till the next July 1st. And I'm sure with a $1.194 million check, neither can Bobby Bonilla. All right. Now we're going to give a little update. Our MVP predictions from last week. We, uh, we were going to do Cy Young this week and then just decided that, uh, well, we're just going to probably wait till after the All-Star break to get the entire first half in. Yeah. Um, so the MVP races we felt were kind of clear. There's actually quite a few really high-quality pitchers this year. So we're going to wait till after the All-Star break. We're going to give our predictions on the episode following the All-Star break. Uh, but we wanted to give you a little little MVP prediction update. Not, not spend, spend a lot of time on this. Not a deep dive, obviously, but... Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who was Ben's pick, and you know certainly certainly wouldn't be uh, egregious if he won. I picked Shohei Otani, but um, either one of those men could win, and it wouldn't be wouldn't be preposterous. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has continued to just 
hit the leather right off the ball. He's he's a monster. He's also the youngest player to ever lead all-star voting, uh, which is pretty impressive, and it was pretty cool. I'm sure most people saw by this point. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero, his father, uh, posted a picture after it was announced that Vladdy Jr. had been the highest uh, the highest vote recipient, uh, the youngest leading vote recipient, excuse me, uh, of um, Vlad with Vladdy, a very, very young Vladdy Jr. at all-star games. It's, you know, I think the caption was, I'm paraphrasing something like, I used to bring you to all-star games with me, and now I'm going to watch you in your own. Right. Very cool to see. Um, I was always a big fan of Vladimir Guerrero. Uh, I was always a Red Sox fan, but um, you always have players that I enjoyed watching that weren't Red Sox, and he was definitely one of them. Uh, so this is this is really cool to see, and his son is, I mean, as good as Vlad was, his son may may even eclipse him. Obviously, he's very young. He's like 22, 23, but... I mean, this kid is all all the young talent they have up in Toronto. He may be the he may be the gem. Yeah. Uh, and, and Shohei Otani, I think I jinxed him unfortunately because while he's still been hitting like an animal, I believe the day after our episode released, he got shelled by the New York Yankees, and uh, I think he lasted like a little over one inning, like one of the third innings or something like that. I think it was his first really bad pitching performance of the year, which happens. I mean, even an ace pitcher goes out there and, and gets beat up once in a while. Um. The Yankees, as they've tended to do this season, still found a way to blow the game. So I don't know what's going on there. As a Red Sox fan, no, I, I can't tell you that I mind seeing it all that much. But it is kind of hard to figure out with all the talent they have. Um, Yeah, I mean, any, any input on the uh, prediction updates? I mean, both these guys both these guys look like, barring injury, they're going to be racing right down to the wire. I think I think the only, the only issue is if another – Player. So <clears throat> we brought up uh, Devers um, with the Red Sox. Yep. Um, I don't. I think you brought up Abreu with the White Sox. I don't know. Remember if you did or not. I didn't, but he's certainly he's certainly up there in consideration. And then obviously, um, if someone from the Houston Astros or the uh, I know I brought up Matt Olson with the Oakland Athletics. I bring those names up because those are division leaders right now. Red Sox, White Sox, and the Astros. And winning does help push you over the edge. Sure. But we know Mike Trout's won on absolutely garbage. Oakland, or um, not Anaheim, L.A. Angels teams. If it stays a two-person race between Guerrero and Shohei, and they stay wherever they're at. You know, Toronto's in third place in their division. Uh, Angels are fourth place in their division. They are kind of have the same record. So if they're not affecting their team, if they're affecting their team in the same manner, uh, where they're not making the playoff um, or even pushing for the division lead, then it's going to come down to pure stats. And if it comes down to pure stats, I know I'm supporting Vlad Jr. right now. But if Shohei continues to produce both in the field, pitching, and at bat, I'm sorry. There's just no way you can look at that and say he's not the MVP. He just went out and did, let's say he does 25 starts. 25 starts, 500 plate appearances, belted 30 five, 40 home runs, X number of RBIs. I think he has 31 right now. But it's just like the insane numbers he has on yeah. top of adding the pitching stats. Uh-huh. It's like if he does the whole season and and blue, the Blue Jays can't push the Red Sox out and they can't make the, the playoffs and neither do the Angels, it's like it's just going to be a stat situation. And then we know who's going to win that one because he's going to have those stats, those pitching stats that there's yep. no way – Vlad Jr. can overcome, even if he has the uh, defensive matrix stats that are just off the charts. It still doesn't defend the fact that Shohei went to the plate and did it and then went out in the field at the, on the mound and also did it. So I'm rooting for Vlad Jr. to keep producing. It's an uphill battle for the rest of the season just because Shohei is doing what he's doing. On the mound and on the plate. Yeah, yeah, they both stay healthy and continue to 
hit the way they've been hitting, then even if Shohei's mediocre on the mound, it'll it'll really tip the scales in his favor. But we shall see. Either way, I think it'll be a fun race. I hope both those guys stay healthy. Number one, just because I don't wish injury on anybody. And, and two, because, man, it'd be really fun to see down the stretch these two really going at it. And I don't see Toronto. The Toronto's got an uphill, uphill battle because they have uh, Boston, who's now, what I, I heard today, they just ripped off 10 of 11. Yeah. After yep. the initial slump after the um, substance change. Um, and Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay. You know, they're going to produce. They are going. They just brought up their uh, top prospect, Wandy, Wandy Franco. Wandy Franco, yep. Uh, Tampa Bay pitch is tough. They have the way they pitch, but they, they're tough. They're a tough team. I imagine over the years of Tampa Bay, it was a big market and they could afford to keep all the talent they've had on that team. My God. Uh, the, 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 conversely, though, the argument would be is would they be where they're at if they were a big market team? Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, but, we, we saw it with the Red Sox for a while when they tried to turn them when they tried to become the Yankees and just open up their open up their pocketbook whenever they wanted somebody. It didn't work out so well. They're you know paying paying talent you develop is much different than paying talent someone else develops. So I get yeah I, that's true. And I just think the West it's tough to look up th- to three teams and just say can we can we wade through those waters and, and go through Seattle, Oakland, and Houston and just start to win. Series start winning uh, games against the division rivals to get up that far because it's it's an uphill battle for the Angels at yeah. this point, and it's going to be incumbent on the front office to say when's the decision to go all in and try to push. This season doesn't look like it for the Angels, and then what does that mean to Shohei? Do they shut him down in September? Not not hitting wise, pitching wise. That's something they have to think in their head. They're gonna, I mean, gonna it, shut him down, and then that, that's gonna affect. Yeah, that's, that's true. Numbers. But I mean, if he already has, if he has comparable stats uh, about a month out from the season, if they if they really know him, we really can't make a run with this. And they shut him down, and he has, you know, eight to ten wins, and and comparable stats like he has now. It, it, just adding that even to a respectable bat is gonna put him over the top, but. Uh, Vladdy Jr. is certainly going to give him a run for his money. And I, 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 for one, these are two. Oh, okay. Just started downpouring here. Oh, that's fun. Um, good thing we're inside. Uh, sorry about that, guys. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be fun either way. And they're definitely two of the guys that are going to lead baseball into the future as long as Rob Manfred doesn't destroy it first. All right, on a little NFL news. Um, apparently, we were going to talk about the, the Washington football team, and we still are. But before we started recording, uh, you and I both being Patriots fans, um, to probably the dismay of most people listening to this, but, yeah, well. Um, apparently, Nikhil Harry has requested a trade. Uh, I guess his agent has officially informed the Patriots he'd like to be traded. Uh, doesn't appear to be like a super ugly situation, um, but m- my question to Mr. Harry would be: While he was very highly touted coming out of college, uh, and you know he looked to everyone like he had the potential, and he's still may he's only been only two years, he's still very young. Who knows what he's going to become? Uh, he has not produced on the field. Granted, his rookie year he was injured for half of it, and Tom Brady was a little boo boo faced and didn't. You know, didn't really like the situation he was in, not getting the guys he wanted, and 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 that was his last year in New England. He wasn't really throwing to the rookies. It was pretty much strictly Edelman and anybody else. Um, and then last year, Cam Newton, we all saw Cam Newton struggles after about week three when he left with COVID and came back and was not the same guy. Uh, so I mean, I don't put it all on Nikhil Harry, but he still has not developed. I mean, he's not produced. Um, haven't seen anything that kind of warrants his first round pick. Uh, and I'm all for giving him another chance and and, and seeing it through because, he, like I said, he's he's a first round pick and he's only been in the league two years, and those were two pretty trying years. But demanding a trade, like, dude, you don't you don't have any leverage here, and you don't have any value on the market. And I I look at. Because when I saw that, because I've been listening to 
um, some reports coming out of training uh, OTAs that you know he looks okay, um, but we're gonna have to see what he looks like in in training camp. And this right. is from um, reporters that you know are embedded in in Patriots you know nation, and they're just they're just trying to report the facts that you know Nikhil looks okay. He, he's doing everything he's supposed to do, but we have to wait till training camp to see is he going to outdo. Jacoby Myers. Is he going to be above the depth chart of, of Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne? And I, I would say I would say to Nikhil is like this was gonna be the year where you had a chance to really put yourself out there. Because you had competition, but it wasn't great competition because Nelson Aguilar, I mean you have higher uh, hopes for him than I do. I, I think of Nelson Aguilar, Philadelphia Eagles. Do you think last year with the Oakland? Let's be honest. You're not a Philadelphia Eagles fan, and anyone who's been tainted with that uniform, you do not have. You do not hold in high regard. Correct. Okay. So let's just be fair. There is a bias there. Yes. Okay. Um, and Kendrick Bourne, I just I, I don't know where he's going to be. It's 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 a mystery to me what what the expectation for Kendrick Bourne is. However, it is putting a lot of eggs into the basket and I think there's better chance of good production from the wide receiver position if you have more eggs in the basket as opposed to last year when it was pretty much Jules for about two weeks and then he was done and then Jacoby Myers and Nikhil Harry and there wasn't much somebody else too I can't remember the kid's name Gunner was there no there's somebody else too oh um uh, Bird yeah Demir Bird yes Uh, I think he went to Miami but uh I just like like you said, he's got no no leverage. What is he? What I don't know what he's going to hope for here because if on the Patriots, they own guaranteed one point seven this year, one point nine next year. Like that's not much to carry over. They're not they're not beholden to to move him. No team's going to come knocking at the door. Yeah, here's a here's a third round pick for him. Like no, at most right now he's they're going to say oh here's a seventh. Yeah, maybe a sixth if they're feeling generous. And then be like, what's the value there? There's no value. They could get a sixth next year after a maybe mediocre season. So it's just it just seems like to me this was an opportunity for him to put a stamp on the team in training camp to make a case for his number one status. You know, Cam's back. He, he had good, like you said, he had a good rapport with with Cam that first few weeks, and then Cam came back from COVID, and it's just right. he didn't seem right. We'll see what this year brings for Cam Newton, because now he has a kid pushing him, uh, in Mac Jones, and I think that's what Nikhil's problem is: is he's got a guy pushing him, guys pushing him behind him. Not to mention the two tight ends they just signed, uh, Henry and Smith. They're going to push for receptions, and he's worked. And his part of the statement, his his age released, he had eighty six. Was eighty six targets? I believe so. Yeah, eighty six over two years. It's like, yeah, part of that is uh, the player wasn't available. Yes, and, and I understand injuries happen, but we saw him. We saw the promise. We saw flashes, but we never saw consistent production. Right consistency there was times where it's like he would go all out and he would just like the uh, the one play that sticks in my head he went he went for it and he fumbled the ball on the one and went down the end zone and i i stated then and i'll state it now it's like i like the effort keep doing that because right eventually it's going to turn into multiple touchdowns he's he's a real strong big body guy i mean (laughs) potential is there but you you say consistency Similar to DK Metcalf. Yeah. He should be similar to um, A.J. Brown. Yeah. And that's the draft he came in on. And right now, those guys are just putting him in, putting him uh, out of his misery. Like, when you think of that draft class, you don't think of Nikhil Harry. No. He was the second one taken. And you, you only think, you think A.J. Brown, you think DK Metcalf. Two imposing figures on the outside that just dominate. You don't think of Hollywood Brown, and you don't think of Nikhil Harry. And, and the thing is, too, is Nikhil Harry is, you know, by doing this, he's kind of saying he's a number one. 
he can, you know, he can. He hasn't come out and said that he's not, he's not, you know, showboating or trying to show up the team or nothing. But he's saying, I want to be traded. I want to be used more. Okay, well, there isn't really roles in, in, in this in this offense yet. Nelson Aguilar is going to have his place. Um, Kendrick Bourne is going to have his place. The two tight ends obviously are going to be used. That Patriots offense works, uh, which is the whole reason they went out and spent pick fifteen on a guy like Mac Jones. They want to have. They're going to utilize Cam Newton and Mac Jones. I don't care what they say. They're going to have these. They're going to have offensive setups where they're both used. Yeah. They're not just going to have Mac Jones sitting there doing nothing. That's why they have the tight ends. Number one, the block, and number two, outlets. Outlets along with really good running backs for a young quarterback or a running quarterback, even like Cam Newton when he's in. So everyone's going to have their role. Belichick's going to put the best guy for the for that role. In that position, Nikhil Harry has a chance to come in instead of demanding a trade or requesting a trade. Yes. Not demanding, requesting. There's a very important difference there. By requesting a trade, saying, all right, you know what? This is a clean slate. We got all new offensive weapons. Obviously, there, you know, you have like Jacoby Myers is still there and Cam Newton is still there, but a lot of new weapons. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to show them why they picked me in the first round. I'm going to show them why I was in the same draft as A.J. Brown. And why I was in the same draft as DK Metcalf picked before him. I'm going to show them wh- how. I'm going to show them why. Instead of saying, well, I've only had 86 targets because, you know, again, injuries are not his fault. That happens. But, I mean, go out there and prove it. Go out there and show them. Don't just say, oh, they have all these guys now. I'm going to request a trade. Where are you going to go? They're not trading anywhere in the East. You're not going to Buffalo. You're not going to Miami. You're not going to the Jets. Quite honestly, the the receiver situation on all three of those teams, he'd be a fantastic number two. He'd be great number two in Miami, maybe even number three. Obviously, he wouldn't be above Stephon Diggs in, uh, in Buffalo, but he'd be a great number two with a guy like Josh Allen. Nice contrast, too. I mean, he can go downfield, but he's a big-bodied guy. Stephon Diggs is a little smaller and faster. They're not going to trade him to the Jets. The Jets just got a new quarterback. The last thing they're going to do is give them a weapon so they can develop – they're a rookie quarterback. Um, yeah, realistically, the only places he could be traded, he doesn't want to go. They're, they're not, they're not going to be good places. No. They're not going to be good places. You're going to trade him to uh, – you're not getting traded to Seattle. They're good. You're not getting traded to uh, <laughs> like the Chargers. You're not getting traded oh, – maybe I mean, the Chargers could probably use them, but they're not going to trade him to the Chargers. They're not going to trade him to uh, Kansas City. I'm not going to trade him anywhere competitive. He's going to Houston. He's going to Detroit. He's going to a place that's in the middle of a really messy rebuild, and he's just going to get lost, and he's going to wash out of the league. His best bet, show up every day, show them why you were a first-round pick, do your job, the Patriots' motto, and things will work out. And I, I, if, I were, if I were across from Nikhil Harry, I would look him dead in the eye and say, look, Here's three people that did what you did but had more leverage behind them. Dion Branch, Richard Seymour, and Logan Mankins. Now, where Jamie did, Collins? Huh? And, oh, uh, and Jamie, Jamie Collins wanted to trade. They sent him to uh, Cleveland, and that didn't work so, out. So Jamie went to Cleveland. Cleveland was nothing at that juncture. Richard Seymour went to the Raiders. Did nothing... And they weren't they were okay but not great. Dion went to the Seattle Seahawks. That was before the Legion of Boom. And Logan Mankins went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were I think that was that was definitely between uh that was not that was well after the championship in in two thousand two. I think it was a two thousand two yeah. So that was well after that. Well after Gruden left, and it was in that time where Tampa Bay was just a mess. Yeah, it was either they were really they were okay or they were really bad. Did he actually even play for them? I think he just retired after no, he got I think traded. He played like one, maybe one season. Okay, maybe one season. But the the point is, is the prestige and and the accolades that that those four players had got them that. What do you think Bill is gonna do? If he really has to trade you, like you just said, where is he going to send him? To awful places. And I understand every team has had their ups and downs. But Detroit 
has not had any real ups lately. And you pointed out perfect scenario. Houston, they, their quarterback situation is not great. No. Tyrod, if Tyrod starts the season, you know what's going to happen. Something's going to happen. He's going to be usurped by a young kid. Unfortunate for him, but that's just the way it's going. Yeah, poor Tyrod Taylor, man. He just never seems to – every time there's a, there's some kind of odd thing that pulls him out of, like, being able to be the starter. Like, last right. year getting his long puncture. That was odd. He's not going to the Chargers. No. With a young upstart no. offense and a young young quarterback. He's not going to go with the – he's not going to get the sense of the 49ers with Jimmy G and uh, Kyle Shanahan at the, the – at the helm, and, and they're going to be able to produce. And to be clear, it's not even going to—I mean, necessarily a spite situation where Belichick's going to try to spite him. He's going to send him to a place that is probably going to struggle because it's—it's it's not going to be a first-round pick. Obviously, like you said, I'm lucky for—I mean, a fifth, I think, at this point is even to reach a sixth or a seventh at best. Right. And if it's a, if it's a fifth or a sixth, they're probably going to have to have a seventh-round pick going with Nikhil Harry. Right. It's going to be to a team where that's going to be a high high round pick it's going to be like a houston or a detroit where it's probably going to be it very well could be a top five pick i mean houston doesn't have much for receivers right now and if Deshaun watson ends up being suspended for the season which you haven't heard anything about but is a very realistic possibility you're not going to have much down there in the way of offense or defense at this point it's going to be a very poor poor performing team detroit's probably going to be right in the same boat it's going to be one of those two teams i would assume and you could be talking about a top five, definitely a top ten pick. That's what you're going to get traded to. You're not, like I said, you're not going to get traded to a team where it's going to be, oh, yeah, we're going to trade this former first-round pick from two years ago that we owe barely any money to in sports money terms for a late seventh-round pick to Kansas City so we can go down there and get thrown to you by one of the best quarterbacks in, in the game. No, that's no. not happening, Nikhil. You're not going to end up in a good spot, dude. You're not. And they're not going to waive him because no. we just pointed out. It's not in, – in football terms, it's not – huge money allocated to Nikhil Harry for the next two seasons. So, realistically, I don't see Bill trading him at all. And if he sits out the season, oh, okay. Come back week 10. You know what's going to happen. He's just going to put he'll put you on the roster. He'll keep you there. You won't accrue a season. And then you'll be you'll be stuck on the team for another two seasons. Yep. Like it's it's this is entirely different situation than all the other people before him because he has two years left because he's on his rookie deal. He's like like we started off. He's coming from a position of no leverage. Right. He he could have came in with the same mentality Cam came in with. Cam's on a one year deal. They gave him a raise because he paid, played on a. Uh, such a crappy contract last year. They gave him a raise, but then they also drafted the future. But have you heard anything about Cam not trying? No. Have you heard anything about Cam not putting effort in? He's trying to be the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots. He knows at any second, Bill will pull the hook and put Mac Jones in. So he's going to put out effort. He's going to show him that he wants to be the leader of this team. Nikhil, this was your opportunity. I don't know what to tell you. You're, you're not going. You're not going about this the right direction. No, I mean there's still a time. Like you said, it was a trade request. It wasn't a demand. It, it wasn't. I won't play. It was nothing like that. So we can still very much salvage the situation. But yeah, it's not headed in the right right direction for either. I think a young player who still needs to show what he can do on the field and in the pro is uh, wants to handle it differently. Uh, speaking of handling things differently, I bet the Washington football team wishes they had for many, many reasons. Uh, they have received, after investigation into accusations of sexual harassment and discrimination, uh, a $10 million fine uh, as a result of bad workplace culture, which obviously the the accusations... Um, well, you call them accusations, but I mean, if you're going to find a, 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 an organization $10 million... You found something. There's, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And $10 million would suggest that they found a lot of stuff burning. So, uh, we've made our opinions on Daniel Snyder very clear. Um, he is not not a good dude. I'm just going to say it. I'm not going to sure it. I don't know him. 
I know enough about what I see on the news and about just stories and things that have come out of his own mouth, which is the biggest thing. You can hear a lot of stories about people. When things come out of somebody's own mouth, they can't say he's taken out of context. Um, he's The only reason he changed it from what it was to the football team was because sponsors were starting to pull out and it was going to cost him financially. That's the only reason. Otherwise, he didn't care how who it offended or who it bothered. Um, this is this is not a good dude, and I can I can I can see completely whenever when every other time he was faced with, um, you know this 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 organization needs changes. We need this. We need that. You need to bring somebody in here who can who can turn this around. I never wanted to. He he he's like Jerry Jones. But without like that cowboy charm, <laughs> you know, like Jerry Jones is, you know, he comes off as kind of a crazy old man, but he's also like a lovable crazy old man where it's just like, oh, he's rich and he's nuts and he's going to spend $8 million on a yacht and he's going to use like three times because he's just got all the, just, just got money to burn. Right. Maybe you should buy the Mets. Um, we have a Bobby Bonilla day. But I mean, it, it's, it's, you know. And not to suggest that Jerry Jones never had his issues, but certainly not to the level of a Daniel Snyder. Um, but he, he he's he he acts like he has that kind of leverage or sway. But like I've never heard anything good about Daniel Snyder. Never heard anybody say, "Oh, that Daniel Snyder's a solid guy." Like your owners all the time come to the defense of Jerry Jones. Like Jerry's crazy, but he's a, he's he's a good dude at heart, and he has the team's best interest in mind. Daniel Snyder just I don't know, man. Like there's just something about the guy. Maybe this isn't fair because I don't know him. I never met him. I don't know. There's something about the way he runs his business, the way he runs that team. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't. I'm not a fan. We've both made that very clear. Um, So I'm surprised it didn't result in kind of like him kind of being forced out of ownership. But apparently, the other way around, he was able to buy out other minority owners. Uh, and apparently get a larger stake in the team, but gets a $10 million fine. I don't know what's going on down there. Uh, I know it's a shame to have anything distract from on the field because, you know, their team actually could be quite good this year. Their defense was solid last year. Chase Young is a bright spot. That kid looks like he's going to be dynamic. Well, he already is dynamic, but he's he's even going to get better. I love Ron Rivera. Um, You know, nothing but respect for Coach Rivera. These guys can add class to that team that desperately needs a better public image. And every time you see Daniel Snyder, it's like he's just a goodwill vacuum. Like any goodwill that guys like Chase Young and, and that solid, that good young defense and, you know, guys like Terry McLaurin connected that offense and Antonio Gibson and Ron Rivera, any anything good that they add to it, you see, see a picture of Daniel Snyder and you're like, oh, yeah, but that guy's still there. I think um, the on-field talent is able to separate itself from the, not so much the front office, but the the leadership head. Oh sure, I, to be, I, just to be very clear, not to cut you off, but just be very clear. I don't, I don't blame those players for for what he, Daniel right. Snyder does. That's not not what I'm saying. No, yeah, I, I I get what you're saying, and I think I think it's just, I think it's the onus is on on Ron Rivera and the front office to just kind of, okay. We, we understand what Daniel Snyder is. We understand that he's, <clears throat> he has given us an opportunity to lead this team. But I think they also understand what he is and what his history is, and they're able to take the on-field product and put the best product on the field despite his comments, recent past, what he's been doing, yeah. recent past. The fact that he's bought out the minority owners, I think that indicates uh, the leadership from Ron Rivera. And I don't, I apologize, I don't know the GM's name, um, but I think the ability of those two individuals to echo that message through the team, and then the team to be out there, be able to out, go out there and perform at the level they did this past season. And if they can do it again this season, that just tells you the character of Ron Rivera and what he's in, instilling on his players each and every day, training camp, practices, game day. I think that just tells you 
his status in the game and his legacy in the game for that matter, even though he doesn't have a Super Bowl ring behind him, I think whether it's with the Washington football team or not, I think we will be talking about Ron Rivera in the near future as a Super Bowl winning uh, head coach. Which, I mean, uh, I, I agree with that. Um, he wasn't, he, he didn't have a lack of options when the Panthers fired him for some reason. Oh, he got snapped up real quick. Yeah, he got snapped up real quick. So he, he wanted to be with this team, and I'm sure I'm sure he was he's compensated very nicely given his experience and ability to help develop young players. Um, so he obviously sees potential and sees promise of these players in this team. Um, so, I mean, it's it's as long as Daniel Snyder can keep his nose clean and not not continue – to just, I don't know, just do the, all the wrong things for all the wrong reasons, um, then th- this this team could actually improve its image and the stigma around it in the future with really good young talented players and a coach who is a classy guy. I mean, Ron Rivera went through cancer treatment last year. He doesn't need to be dealing with this crap. I mean, th- thankfully, he you know, he... Uh, you know, in the right direction, and he seems like he's uh, his cancer is is gone, and hopefully it stays away. He doesn't need this crap. He's dealing with with real, like real life and death situations. I think he'd be dealing with an idiot like Daniel Snyder who just can't, who just can't not shoot himself in the foot. I mean, it's it's Daniel Snyder got lucky that a guy like Ron Rivera wanted to coach his team. So pay your fine, let Ron Rivera run that team. Ron Rivera and the GM. Keep your mouth shut and stop acting like you're Jerry Jones because you don't you don't have the uh, the the goodwill capital with your fan base to do that. All right, last topic here on the docket. We have uh, the NCAA again. If you remember, I believe it was two weeks ago, mm-hmm. we discussed how the Supreme Court had ruled that the NCAA could not limit academic benefits for students you know they couldn't they couldn't tell them they couldn't take a computer they couldn't uh do any, anything that resulted in uh giving them a leg up from education wise uh could not be limited by the school or could not be seen as a gift and and, and not allowed um and as you pointed out this is not the ncaa you know they, they didn't fight it well they did fight it that's why they were in supreme court yeah but the NCAA, you said many times, and I assume you're not changing your your tune anytime soon. Is a corrupt organization. Yes. Um, and it, it's really hard to argue when you see coaches making ten million dollars a year, and then you see players who, you know, like John Carter, you brought up as an example last year, couldn't even accept a hundred and fifty dollars suit to go to the draft to look nice because it was seen as a gift. Meanwhile, the coach who he makes look good making, you know, seven figures. So it's hard to argue about the with the NCAA. Uh, well, this past week, they are even loosening their grip even more. You brought it up uh, when we discussed uh, the Supreme Court ruling, how players should be allowed to profit off their image. Right. And I mentioned how not every player who is a, a big-name college player finds success in the NFL and should be allowed to profit off of their likeness. Uh, in college, and the NCAA agrees, uh, they they will allow student athletes to profit off their likeness and names. Um, they will not be directly paid by by the school. It's not like it's a salary now, but they can sign endorsement deals, and they can they can essentially brand themselves and make themselves a brand ahead of being drafted. Right, uh, which I think is great. Uh, the only thing I will say is, not to be a downer, the NCAA did not do this because all of a sudden they care and they're nice. The NCAA <laughs> did this because they see the writing on the wall. Oh, man. I don't know if you all heard that, but that was a nice little thundercloud behind me. Good good storm brewing here. Um, but they didn't do this to be good people. They did this because they knew if they didn't, it was just going to be the next domino that fell. And they were just going to look have more egg on their face than they did after the Supreme Court ruling. If if senators year and a half two years ago weren't uh, clapping for these players to get paid and they didn't start pushing 
I think it was California that started put, pushing uh, legislation to push this forward, and it was the NCAA trying to be like, hey, let, let's take this one step at a time. No, no. <clears throat> no, no, because we know what you're going to do. You're going to try to set it up so that you can figure out how you're going to profit from it while making it look like the players are profiting from yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Know? We're going to push this through. They can They can do what they want. Oh, no, we have to make sure they're doing this by the book because we don't want, you know, people taking advantage of them. We don't want them getting like, no, 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 you're not being honest. That's the problem. That's the root problem we're talking about with the NCAA. You're not being honest because you just want your cut is basically what you want. You're going to give up all these reasons why we shouldn't do this or why we have to take our time. When in all reality, you're just trying to figure out a way to get your cut. And you pointed it out. They, they coalesced to let their pl- the players do this after court rulings. Yes. It is only after these court rulings that they are allowing this to happen. If that court ruling a few weeks ago had not occurred, the Supreme Court had not ruled the way they had in favor of the student-athletes, we would not be talking about this right now. No, they would, moved, they would have moved on, and they would have still hear clamors of, of players should get paid but they could ignore it because, oh, we have court rulings that say we don't have to do this. Yep. Amateur status, this, blah, blah, blah. And I just keep thinking, like, Nick Saban can go out and, and do promotions and do these commercials all he wants. He's, he's a spokesman for Aflac. I see him on commercials a lot. Great. Good for him. He's making tens of millions of dollars on it from a uh, state-run university. But the kids that he's helping get into the NFL or helping to at least get good, good, solid educations at Alabama aren't aren't getting anything because they've always been told, well, you're getting paid with an education. Right. That's what you're getting. You're getting right. paid with an education. Well, guess what? That education doesn't always pan out. Never mind the fact that you, because of all your, your, your schoolwork and all your work for the team, which is making the university money hand over fist – Remind the fact that your mini fridge in your dorm room is probably empty because you have no extra income. Uh, But, you know, this coach who – and look, it's not a knock on any of the coaches. No. If you can go out and you can get that kind of money, absolutely go get it. Not a knock on Nick Saban. His track record, I mean, for whatever reason, whatever whatever you may think, oh, it's recruiting, oh, it's this, oh, it's that. Whatever it is, he's still attached that high-caliber – uh, ability to coach to his name. That's happened to him because his team's produced on the field. So good for him. It's not a knock. But yeah, you're telling me you're telling me that, you know, uh Mac Jones or Tua or any of these guys who knows? I mean, yeah, they were big names in college. Um, but if they go out and they blow out their knee senior year, all of a sudden they haven't they're not gonna profit off their knee, you know, if it's bad enough, they may not be able to, you know, become the pro they thought they were gonna be. And they've never been able to profit off of their name. So why can you not do that now? And it's not even university paying them. So I think this is a, this is a great move. Let these guys go out there and, 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 and market themselves and turn themselves into a brand. And I, I'm all for it. I think it's great. I mean, for God's sake, who's oh, who's the coach? I don't remember his name. Was it the guy from Arkansas? Signed a massive money contract and they got released like the following year. You know who I'm talking about? Ah, no, it was it was a it was a, it was, a, it was a bigger program. It wasn't like a, a smaller division division two or three school. It was a bigger program. Signed a really big contract, and I guess he like went through a divorce or something and started acting really foolish. And the university just, apparently just let him go, and they had to pay him a massive buyout because he just signed a new contract a year before. Ah, I think it was, I don't know I don't know I can't remember the name of the school or the or the coach, but. Um, yeah, I mean that that stuff happens. So this guy, this guy goes out and he gets that contract because of how the players played for him, and then he acts foolish and gets a massive buyout to sit at home. But these guys can't go out and and sign, you know, an incentive deal with a local coffee shop or a car dealership or make appearances and earn a little extra cash based on the hard work and effort they put in. It's preposterous. I'm I'm all for this. I think it's another great move, regardless of the situation. The result is correct. So I'm all for it. And I, and I think, I look at Jalen Waddle. Ten years ago, that injury he had would have been devastating. That would have put him in the third or fourth round, maybe. It was ACL, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
something with his ankle. Yeah, okay. I know okay. he was able to come back and play 70, 75% into the, in the BCS, uh, not the BCS, the, the playoffs. Right. But that would have been devastating for his draft prospect. Uh, he wouldn't have been a first-round pick, but I think medical science has given us a, a, a chance to where a player like that can recover and someone can look at his tape and say, okay, we know what the player is, and we know that that recovery will happen, and he'll be 100%. Um, if not this the first season, the second season, we'll, we'll get that Jalen Waddle. Ten years ago, it wouldn't have happened. And then this player who was high prospect, super talented player, that happens, he's done. And now he has to resort back to his degree and whatever his degree is I don't know if it w- he would have made the money from his degree and what happens right. if he gets booted off um, booted off as a, a scholarship player right. because he can't play anymore now he's made no money off his name and the school has made money hand over fist yeah and now and now I don't know I, I think I think now you can see players get opportunity, get uh, financial security, at least for the next three to four years after they're out of college. Yep. So that way they don't make the pros or they wash out or they're not as talented as um, pro spot, pro scouts thought they were. They have a, a landing spot for a couple of years so that they can build build a, a enterprise, build a uh, online company so that they have a future instead of well you spent four years in college you got your head knocked around for the three of them and yeah here's a degree in in professional sports science or or you know being a, a agent but you have no background after that and you're done and you're just swept away so yep. There are risks. I understand that. There's people that can take advantage of players, and there's there's p- players that are going to have more avenues than other players, and that's unfortunately the way the system is going to be. Uh, it is unfair. Trevor Lawrence is going to get more was would have gotten more opportunities than someone like that that got drafted in the seventh round. That's just the way it is. And LeBron James is going to get more opportunities than you and I. I mean, it's just how life goes. Sometimes it's it's it's, goes. it's, it's, it's how it is. Not Super. everything. It's not everything. Sunshine, rainbows, and fair all the time. So, um, but but, you know, LeBron worked for you know what what he he attained. Oh sure, yeah, absolutely. At the beginning, and then he's worked progressively through there. So, I think you can look at it and just say, you know, work hard, uh, put the effort in, uh, and when opportunity rings, and good, hit that opportunity. And now there can be some dollar signs attached to the opportunity, which is going to be good for some of these kids because they, you know, not everyone's going to be a star in the NFL. They can make some money now. And they can make a decision if they don't want to go in the NFL. Yep. Uh, what was it? Chris Chris Borland, I think it was. Or, or, yeah, Chris Borland. He was like a linebacker for either Washington or Seattle. Or no, Washington or, or San Francisco. 49ers. The 49ers. Uh, he retired like two seasons in because yeah. of the concussion. Looks like, a, looks like an awesome player, too. Right. This kid was going to make a lot of money, and he decided it just wasn't, you know, he's like, it's not worth my long-term health. So – now a player like that could, you know, after his college career, say, you know what, I'm not going pro. I made some money in college. I have my degree. I'm going to start a business. Yep. I don't want to get my head knocked around. And it's a choice. And I think that's a, it's a choice that anyone can make. Yeah, hey, Andrew Luck. Can go into the NFL and make that money uh, and, and take those risks. That's fine. What did Andrew Luck have left on the table when he walked away from Indy with his contract? I mean, people – criticized him but i mean he not only is his physical health but his mental health also i mean he said how depressed he was when he was injured all the time and always going through you know um physical therapy and 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 in pain all the time from that and he's like it's it's not worth it to me and frank gore had two acl injuries in his college career yeah and if he would have been able to make money maybe he would have never maybe would have never well, he's, he is a timeless wonder. But, but he's also one of the longest-running yeah. players in the NFL out of those two ACL injuries, which is a, a feat onto itself. But I think this is good moves for the players. I still look at the NCAA and saying, I, I hold back and just watch. What are you going to do? 
and I understand the court rulings. I, I completely understand those. I still am apprehensive of uh, sitting back and, and, and saying that the NCAA can't do nothing because there's going, they're always going to try to get their cut. Oh, of course. So I just sit back and I'm very, not apprehensive, but just I'm very alert at anything they're trying to do to get their cut of the money from the players. They're going to try, but I think they're going to, they're going to, I mean, who would have guessed that, you know, if you, the two months ago, we'd be talking about not only being able to receive academic benefits, but now actually using your own name and likeness to, to make money. Yeah. Um, we would have never guessed not only that the, both these things would happen, but they'd happen within a matter of weeks. So I think the NCAA is really, very quickly realizing, oh, we're kind of losing the stranglehold we had over all these kids. And to save face, we kind of got to go along with this now. So uh, I hope so. It's only good for the players. Um, like we said, if, if you know, you have a guy like Frank Gore, maybe didn't want to put himself through it at the time, could have could have retired if he made a little bit extra money in college, especially being in a bigger market school. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you got, it's not – you know, for all the, all the people who do criticize and say the money's ridiculous, and I get it, it really is. But the thing is, these kids aren't making anything in college. Not making a dime in college. Not allowed to make a dime in college. So when they get to the pros and they've been putting themselves through this abuse for all these years, it is their choice. I'm not crying them a river. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. Of course, they're going to say when it comes time for contracts and it comes time for money, yeah, I may love this game, but I got to make sure I'm taken care of. Yep. So that's fair. And it is. And there's not. I don't think there's anybody who's going to be listening to this who's going to say, "Oh, if I could make ten million dollars a year to do something I love, I would just do it for free." Of course not. No. Where do you take that money? So, you good or anything else? I'm all set. All right. We're going to get out of here. Thank you very much for listening to episode 136. If you have any questions on this episode, past episodes, or anything else sports-related, Ben and I would love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSpod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. Or the website, BCTSpod.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Downloads are still doing pretty good. Greatly appreciate the support. If you feel so inclined and you have not done so yet, please go to wherever you download your favorite podcast, subscribe, and leave a rating and a review. And tell a friend if uh, if you have any, which is, you know, I have a couple, but, you know, they already know since I post the podcast. But yours may not. So if you could tell them, help Ben and I out, we greatly appreciate that. Until next time, for Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.